Alliance leader, this is our moment, this is our season in which we have the privilege of leading the church. Will we fully engage the opportunities before us or will we miss the moment? In a moment, I'm gonna take us to John 4.35 as it's been on my heart to talk about the opportunities that are before us as the Alliance family in this unique moment of history. First though, uh, a quick announcement. In the past, we've had a conference called Converge that has been limited in its attendance. This year, it's being open to the whole Alliance family. Let me tell you about it. You know that we're very engaged as an Alliance family in the global advance in the name of Jesus to the least reached peoples of the world. And we know that as Alliance churches, we try to find ways to engage and connect with that global advance. Well, this is the conference that helps the mission mobilizing people of our local church to engage with each other, develop relationships with each other, and find the best practices for how to mobilize our local church for global advance. Registration is now open for Converge 2023. Please uh, take a look at this link. I get to do so many interesting things as president of the Alliance. I'm so honored to continue to have this role. One of the fascinating things through the years has been doing local church anniversaries. I have been in 50, 90, 100, 110, 125 year anniversaries. Uh, many interesting stories that have arisen from those. But one thing that I almost always do is take a look back in time at what was the historic a cultural condition of our country, of our world, at the time that that church was being planted. I did many 100-year anniversaries during that era when 100 years ago, there was the uh, what we called the Spanish flu, and a huge percentage of the planet was affected by that, far greater percentage than during COVID. Uh, I've been fascinated by the, how World War I was coming to a close and, and all this trauma of the world, and yet somebody thought it would be a good idea to start a church. You get into the 20s, uh, and uh, we, I just did a 100-year anniversary, and looking back, 1922 was right in the heart of the Roaring Twenties and all this utopian and, and uh, excitement and worldly expression and somebody thought it was a great time to plant a church. Uh, a, a 90th anniversary in the 1930s, right in the middle of the worst depression our country's had, the lowest point of the stock market. Some estimate over 30% unemployment. And there's uh, some people that decide this is a good time to start a church. Who were these people? Who were these renegades? Who were these mavericks that, that didn't pay attention to the headlines, that, that ignored the, the, the cultural pressures, that, that resisted the voices that said, whoa, there's too much going on, there's too much hardship, there's not enough money, there's, there's too much difficulty. Who were these people? I, I don't know most of their names, but I know that we still benefit today from their passion, from their vision, from their commitment and their deep determination to not let current cultural moments stop the advancing of the church. 
and the name of Jesus and our missional efforts. It wasn't just about church planting. There was huge missional sending going on through those decades as well. There was opening of new fields. And so this next year, 2023, we'll celebrate the 100th anniversary of the alliance in Cambodia and in Burkina Faso and Mali and other places will celebrate their own moments. And I'm saying this to us today because I'm wondering if the Lord tarries 50 or 100 years from now, how will people look back on this moment at this time of what this group of leaders did? They'll be able to easily access information about the, the global pandemic. They'll be able to easily access information about uh, sky-high inflation and about deep-seated national division, a country divided. They'll be able to study about the international conflict of Russia and Ukraine and other situations that are going on in our world. But what will they discover about the church? If Jesus tarries, looking back on this moment in time, what will they see about us as leaders? Did we entrench? Play it safe? Wait until some easier time to advance the gospel? Or will they see a church mobilized, a church of faith? The 100th anniversary I just did in Wisconsin, their anniversary theme was forward in faith, believing that as we lift up our shields of faith together, and God does call us to keep taking steps forward to the, what the next dream, the next vision is that God has for us to accomplish for his kingdom. I mentioned John 4.35. You know the context. Jesus, early in his ministry, early in the gathering of his, of his disciples, has taken them to a place they don't necessarily want to be. They're traveling through Samaria and tired from the journey. At noon, he sits down at the well and sends the disciples into town to get food. Has that beautiful conversation with the woman who comes midday. You know that story. And as she is leaving in great excitement to go tell the town that perhaps this is the Messiah. Perhaps we found the Christ. The disciples have just returned from that town with lunch. Jesus refuses to eat, oddly enough, saying, I have food to eat that you know nothing about, to, to finish, to complete, to do the work of my Father. And then as they're scratching their head about what, they, what he means by that statement, then he throws them this, another head-scratcher. You say, four more months, and then comes the harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They're ripe for harvest. Now, we can only guess, maybe some of you have studied it more than I have, but exactly what was going on at the time. But it's very possible that he looks at the fields, they're still months away from being harvested, the literal agricultural setting that they're in. And it's also possible that at that moment that the woman is leading the crowd out of town to come and see this one who she's testified about. And so he moves from the agricultural setting to the human scene of people coming before, coming towards them and says to them, you say four more months, 
looking at that agricultural setting, I'm saying to you, look at the harvest that's actually coming towards us, or at least looking at that town that they're going to enter into for the next two days. And he says, now is the time for harvest. Now is the time. This is the place. These are the people. I believe that in the heart of the disciples, it was just the opposite. Now isn't the time. This isn't the place. These aren't the people. There is always something within us, from the headlines to our own heart condition, that says, now's not the time. Uh, this isn't the place. These aren't the people. This isn't the right opportunity. There's got to be a, a better time, and that time always seems to be <laughs> the distant future where we can double-check our resources, triple-check our plans. I'm all for gathering resources. I'm all for planning. And we are deep into that now with this whole project reimagine and designing what the next era is going to be like for the national office. I understand good planning. But I also understand the temptation and the tendency to join the disciples in saying, now's not the time. This isn't the place. These aren't the people. Since moving to Columbus, I've been able to speak in many of the area churches, and one of them was our Ethiopian congregation, delightful family of believers, one of the largest alliance churches here in Columbus. They asked if I would also speak at their youth group. I was honored to do so. They asked specifically if I would address the subject of the Holy Spirit. I was trying to make the uh, class interactive, and so I was asking various questions. All the young men were seated on one side, all the young women on the other, probably ranged in age from 12 to 22, I would guess. And I was very impressed by, by the answers, but all of the answers were coming from the guys' side. And so finally I just stopped and said to the young ladies, I don't want to embarrass you, but would any of you be willing to answer the question? And the question at that moment was, when the Holy Spirit begins to have influence in our lives, what does he do within us? Now, the guys had already appropriately said the gifts of the Spirit and, I was, and the fruit of the Spirit, and I was grateful for those answers, but, but they seemed to be kind of textbook answers, so I was fishing for something a little more. And She couldn't have been more than ninth grade and 90 pounds, but her little hand went up, and she said, when the Holy Spirit really starts to work in our lives, we begin to see people we would not otherwise see. I was touched by her spirit and her comment, and two things hit me right away. One, she knew what it was to have the Holy Spirit work within her, and two, she knew what it was to be unseen, to be overlooked. Friends, I believe at this moment in John 4, the disciples have a posture of this is not the time, this is not the place, these are not the people, let's move on. There's got to be a better place, a better time, a better people to serve among. And Jesus is saying to them, open your eyes. Look at the fields. They're ripe for harvest. May the Spirit of God at this moment in time enter us, Alliance family, to have the eyes to see that Jesus sees. Does Jesus in his heart, want us to just put this whole mission on hold and wait for some other moment <laughs> to share his name, to advance his mission, to send the next wave of workers, <laughs> to do the next dream? No, no. 
what will, if the Lord tarries, people see about the church 50 or 100 years from now? Will they see a church mobilized, full of faith? Or will they see a church infighting and putting the whole mission on pause? May we, with my new Ethiopian friend, have the fullness of the Holy Spirit at work in our hearts to give us the eyes to see what our Christ sees about the harvest.